Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. I've had the pleasure of knowing Beth Goldstein for my entire career in camping. When Kate and I took the reins at Camp Waikasuda, a wonderful girls' camp in New Hampshire, we spent a lot of time with many referral agents around the country. Beth, who focuses on helping families in the Philadelphia and New York City areas find a great summer camp fit, was very helpful to us. And now, 18 years later, she continues to be so. Finding the right summer camp, when there are so many great choices out there, can be a true challenge for families. Beth, who has worked with the camp experts for the past 20 years, guides families through the process and helps to make the winnowing down of great options more effective. By visiting a wide variety of summer camps and working with a number of unique families, Beth has a valuable vantage point on the summer camp world. When we recently spoke, the idea of comfort zones came up along with an article that had left Beth smiling and shaking her head a little bit. It was too good an opportunity to pass up for me to get Beth around the campfire. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation about pushing our comfort zones with my good friend, Beth Goldstein. Beth Goldstein, I'm so happy to have you around the campfire. Great to be here. So we have been working together uh, in camping for a long time, ever since I've been in camping. Um, yeah. In fact, probably ever since you've been in camping too. Um, how did how did you get involved in camp? So I'm an attorney, and I practiced law for several years. And when we had our children, my husband and I wanted for uh, me to be with them. I wanted to be with them, mm-hmm. and so I stayed home and um, did my best to educate myself about parenting, and began volunteering in their preschool. And I spent a lot of time. Um, in the PTA and substituting at their school and learning about children. Mm-hmm. But as they got older, when my younger son was about to go to first grade, I kept saying, I want to go back to work, but I don't want to go back to trial law. And I walked around saying that to anyone and anyone who would listen. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I was consulting with Joanne Paltrowitz to find camp for my older son, who was then in third grade. And we worked together. And she said to me, I always wanted to open another office. Would you consider joining the camp experts? So I met with her. I observed her and her work. I traveled with her to camps in Maine and thought, this was a great position to bring together all the skills of mm-hmm. a legal background of advising people, learning information, vetting outside sources, and everything I'd put into learning about parenting and helping parents and children. And it was a dream job. And I started in 2003. Wow, that is awesome. So now, were, were you the first kind of satellite office for Camp Experts? So I was not Joanne's first partner. Our okay. first partner was um, Marla Leader, yep. who was. Wow. 
in Long Island. And there were two or three other women who started in the same year, but a few months before me. And a couple women who started a few months after me, all in different locations, because Joanne's philosophy is that your advisor should live and work where the families are. So you know the schools they choose, the after-school activities they choose, the other day camps they might decide to use so that you really understand the family in situ. Yeah. And so there were six of us for many years and thereafter camp experts continued to grow because that model is very successful. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's been wonderful working with you because I've always known that you, you know, your families and you know the certain things that they want to do. And so that was going to be one of my questions to you. How do you help families find the right place? Cause we're, we're going to talk in a little bit about the idea of comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding a camp for some families, it's totally in their comfort zone. Like they know they want to do camp, but for most families, camp is a big step out of the comfort zone, uh, not only for the camper, the child, but also for the parent. True. So, um, so some parents in a family, both parents went to camp and they're on board. Mm-hmm. Some families, it's a mixed marriage. Somebody's a camper and somebody's not. Right. And, and then <laughs> in other families, <laughs> and then other families, uh, neither parent went to sleepaway camp or to a teen program, um, but they live in an area where other families are doing that. Right. So I meet a parent in their current understanding of the camp world and then have to educate them. So for parents who haven't gone to camp or one parent who has and one parent who hasn't and one is not so comfortable or they're trying to find the common ground, I spend a lot of time educating them. So parents reach out to me and that's mostly 95% by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I spend time exploring the child's interests and personality and after school activities and interaction with others, maybe their medical needs, and then it's talking to parents about their parenting goals, Mm -hmm. if they can identify them, Mm -hmm. and um, their parameters. So the type of camp, the length of time, the activities the camp might offer, but more so the culture, the kind of environment where a child will thrive um, is really the focus of the conversation. And then I help them through understanding my recommendations, maybe supplementing that or eliminating some until we narrow the field to the top, you know, few choices. Got it. Yeah. I think that educating yourself on the culture of whatever, you know, the place that you ultimately wind up in uh, to me is the most important piece of that because, you know, camps, regardless of what type of camp it is, if they've got the child, you know, for a day camp experience for a couple of days, they've got a, a seven week overnight camp and everything in between, that culture is going to impress something upon that child. And the parents really need to make sure that whatever it is, it's impressing upon that child fits their own family outlook on the culture of of what they want um, for their own child. Agreed. I think parents need to realize that they need to co-parent with the director because Mm -hmm. summer is almost 25% of a child's life Mm -hmm. and camp can be more than half of that. So all the experiential learning that's going on at camp should resonate with the type of um, education and um, mission that the parents, the values that the parents want to help the child grow into. Right. Yeah, it's, it's huge. So, and funny, one of the things that you and I had spoken about a little while ago that, that kind of got us started laughing a little bit was 
talking about continuing education. And you had read an article uh, from Harvard Business Review that kind of made you giggle a little bit and shake your head. What, what was that again? Can you tell me about so, it? Um, Andy Malinsky wrote an article a few years ago. Uh, the title is, If You're Not Outside Your Comfort Zone, You Won't Learn Anything. And mm-hmm. he hit a few points. And I was laughing because uh, it seemed to me that all those things were things that you learned in summer camp. And there was other books. You know, I learned everything <laughs> I need to know in life. I learned in kindergarten. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And this was everything that you need to know in business school. You could have learned at camp. Um, <laughs> so he was talking about um, as we're facing jobs and uh, learning and growing in our jobs and careers, we're constantly faced with situations where we need to adapt to our behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly when you go to camp, you have to adapt to yep. new circumstances, new people. And without the skill and courage to take the leap, we can miss out on important opportunities for advancement. And mm-hmm. I think camp is the opportunity, not necessarily for advancement, but for growth and um, introspection and, and learning so much about yourself. Uh, and then he went on to say that in order to step outside your comfort zone, you have to do it, even if it's uncomfortable, put mechanisms in place that will force you to dive in, and you might discover that what you initially feared isn't as bad as you thought. And that I, made me laugh because you could right do there. that in camp in a supportive environment. So mm-hmm. you don't need to make that leap and feel alone in doing that when you're at camp you literally have counselors there to support you. You have a director there to support you. So those adults may know that you can climb that tower. You don't know it, mm. but the counselors know it and they're going to help you get there. Um, in fact, once when I was touring camp with you, um, I think your director at that time was from Columbia, maybe. Okay. Um, yep. Gentleman who was um, really cheering on a camper who was trying to get to the top and ring the bell. And she was tiny and she didn't know if she could do it. <laughs> and she got to the top and she rang the bell. And, and we watched her for maybe 10 minutes. And yep. she really struggled to get there and then was beaming mm. from the inside out that she was able to do it. Yeah, it's amazing how the ropes course helps people in a very clear way get past some self-set limits. And it's because it's, it's immediate. It's right here. It's an it's a end goal that I know if I get there, I get there. But I also think that when a kid leaves camp, whether it be for you know three weeks like at Wakoyak or six weeks or seven weeks or even a one week over, or you know, a trial over week, and they say, I did that. Oh my gosh, they get past those self-set limits and then they realize that they can move on to do so many other things. And that's why I talk to parents about helping their children grow their social and emotional muscles. Mm, So when you go to camp, it's a new situation. You're making new friends. um, You're trying new activities. You're doing so many things that are new. But when you come back home and then you go to a new middle school, Mm -hmm. you fall back on that experience. Well, I was successful at camp. I can do this when I go to middle school or I can try out for a new team or Mm -hmm. I can write a poem for the magazine because I'm willing to try things. And I had success trying things before. And then it's going on to high school or that first job or college. Um, I, you know, I think. So no, you were. We were talking beforehand. I know your boys all went through, you know, they both went through camp and they loved it. Now they're off in the working world. In fact, you got one's getting married here again. Congratulations. That, that is Thank awesome. Um, what do you think, what do they say about their camp experience and how it prepared them for the working world? I think um, initially prepared them really well for college mm-hmm. because um, 
getting to college and learning to connect with people and accept others where they are and work together to live successfully to help them hit the ground running. So there are peers who didn't go to college that were experiencing home missing and adjustment and didn't perform well academically because they were distracted by all that emotional and social adjustment um, had more challenges where my kids and their peers who went to camp, that was just hit the ground running and they did really well. And that sets you up then for getting that job. If you're performing well academically, then it's an entree to the uh, business world and getting into a new situation, learning the ropes of a new job, learning the personalities of the people around you, learning what elements it takes to be successful are things that you learn at camp. And I don't know if they were able to identify that, but I could see that they knew that the beginning was going to be a rough patch. There's adjustment period. And then once you adjust, you can be as successful as you want to be if you can stretch your boundaries. And they've done that, trying new roles, changing jobs, new jobs, or different roles in their jobs. And they're also people who um, volunteer for recruitment or to bring people in or to be a group leader. And I think part of that gregariousness is from their personality, but part of it's being used to doing that in a group setting at camp or a team program or what have what they've done. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's really neat for you because you get to work with so many families and see their kids, you know, grow and flourish in those ways. Um, over the course of the time you've been doing this, mm-hmm. how much have the kids or, or the parents changed in the process? Because, you know, we had a comfort zone of, of camp when we all started doing this, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Now that that has changed because the the, num- the type of person who's coming to camp is changing. It's no longer just the, the single family that both went to camp. There are a lot of families now that have different experiences and want different things for their children. But how, how has it changed in your mind? I think a lot of the changes are a reflection of camp as a microcosm of the world. Mm. Um, so some of it is... Um, the number of children on prescription medication has changed tremendously. Um, So every year we visit camps in session to to understand each camp, but a theme across the years and across the camps is that 10% of the children may have been on medication 20 years ago, and then it was 20%, now 30%. And today I would say it's at least 50% of the kids are on medication. Mm. Um, In some ways that's good because it helps them be their best selves at camp if their parents continue their medication and it's a consistent um, input into their uh, feeling healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the whole administration of that and the underlying issues. And I think now it's the rise of anxiety is a big um, difference and how much more children need support to be in a new situation, how much more meaningful and necessary it is to help them be successful in a new situation. Mm -hmm. So that's one change. Um, have the parents changed? I think parents have changed in that um, they more naturally saw the benefit of letting their children out of the nest yeah. to fly and test yeah. their wings. When they used to do that, when you could go ride your bike on the street or you went outside to play with the neighbors, there, that was more of a regular part of a parent's Mm-hmm. bringing up their children and the children's upbringing. Sure. Where today, it needs to be a scheduled activity that you can have 
quote unquote free time. Right. So I think um, the parents have changed in their readiness to let their children go um, because it's not as common of um, a way of parenting. It's not. And, and that's a, a sad piece of it, I think, because there's so much beauty that comes in, in learning and growth, but, but also just joy from those unstructured times of just going and seeing what happens. Exactly. So I think that's change. It's helping parents see what a gift that is to their children to just let children be children um, and get some fresh air and run around. So I'd say the parents have changed in that respect. Um, Also the um, increase in the percentage of families that have divorce Mm -hmm. and that parents have to take into consideration how allowing the child to be away affects each parent's time with the child and their agreement. And there's so sometimes I need to counsel each parent separately and try and find the overlap that's going to be best for all of them. Sure. Um, and so that's a challenge. And I think that that's given rise also to the sessions of camp. Mm-hmm. So whether it's three or six, three and a half or seven, two, mm-hmm. four, six, eight, there's so many more um, options. And I think that makes my role um, even um, more helpful to parents because they need to fill so many different uh, slots. Yeah. Yeah. They got to check all those different boxes and be able yeah. to handle all that. And certainly there is, there's a lot of competition for a, a kids and family's attention over the course of the summer, um, right. whether it's a, a travel experience, a sport experience, something having to do with academics, you know, everybody wants to spend some time with their own kids too. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all those different pieces. So, and I think the biggest change um, is technology and the mm. challenges of technology. And I think that goes for the children and for the parents. Yeah. I think the children, <laughs> they really have to go through a huge withdrawal experience when they get to camp. Mm-hmm. And parents are putting it onto the camp. I want a device-free environment, <clears throat> but they haven't necessarily had a device-free time before camp started. <laughs> that so, would be nice <laughs> right so they're coming and then they're having this their, their prior constant companion is no longer there and we have to redirect them and help them connect with their peers so i That's think actually a really interesting idea i've never even thought about that but but having just sending a note to the parents and saying all right a week before camp starts, if your child has a device, a phone, or whatever it is, let's start right. weaning off of that so that maybe the day before you're not doing anything on it at all. Right. Um, you're not tapering them. And at the bus stop, you're taking the iPad out of their clutches <laughs> before they get on the bus. So I think um, that I think that the withdrawal from the devices is a real thing if you're not playing your games or connecting with your friends on the social media. And replacing that with having real life experiences mm-hmm. is phenomenal. But I do think that's a challenge of technology. And I think um, the reverse mm-hmm. are the parents <laughs> yeah. who are so desirous of the constant attachment. So part of camp is the space for each to separate and then come back together at the end of the session. But parents today with their technology are trying to dial in, so to speak, every moment. They want new pictures. They want another blog. They want another newsletter. Yeah. Um, they want a personal call. They, they want to email into their children instead of writing a real letter. Um, so mm-hmm. parents are so attached to their technology that it's trying to get them to also take a step back. So it's interesting talking about this idea of comfort zone, the technology allows us to be within our comfort zone all the time. 
Right. You know, uh, you know, when a child is coming to camp, you know, one of the first questions, if a child is flying uh, from from somewhere to camp, because we say no devices and they say, well, can they use the device, you know, as they fly up? And we're like, yes. OK, if they're flying up, you know, if something, God forbid, really weird happens. And of course, they have chaperones all the time. It doesn't really matter. But still, we let them have their phone as soon as they get to camp, we take it. Well, that phone allows them to sit there, or iPad allows them to sit there on the plane and look at their screen instead of looking at their friend or their person they're just about to become a friend with or their counselor. You know, so it, it's an instant comfort zone. And then you rip that technology away, you rip the Band-Aid off. All of a sudden, your comfort zone, you know, gets much smaller right. and you have to get out of the comfort zone. And it's the same thing, like you said, for parents. Parents have to get out of the comfort zone of always knowing what's going on with their child. And that's where the growth occurs is outside those comfort zones. Agreed. Agreed. And the more they can stretch, the more they can grow. Um, So parents, one of the questions I ask them is, do you have a preference for location? For me, that has to do with um, some of the influence of location on a camp. If you're in Maine, you have a lot of access to established trails. So maybe the Mm -hmm. hiking program is more vibrant to the camp Mm -hmm. where in the Poconos or the Catskills, mm-hmm. it might be um, that there are more co-ed camps and it's a brother-sister situation. They want a co-ed camp and that makes that location um, desirable. But and right. parents often say, well, I want them close by. Yep. And my, you know, and my, I have to delve into that. Why? Because <laughs> right. in the moment, if your child trips over their own two feet and bumps their elbow, the Win. director <laughs> has to decide in the first, you know, 90 seconds, are they going for an x-ray? It's not if you can get to camp in three hours or five hours. Right. Um, yeah. And your mail gets there in the same amount of time. Your email gets there in the same amount of time. Your phone call gets there in the same amount of time. <laughs> Why does it need to be closer? And it's the idea of that comfort zone. Can I stretch right. myself to yeah. go further in distance? And I said, once your child's on the campus, they're on the campus. It doesn't matter where that campus is. They're mm-hmm. cared for. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the tether of how close are they to me. And, you need, and that's something that can be stretched. Yeah. Yeah. More and more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading all these articles about, you know, how can you tell if my child is ready for camp? And I keep wanting to say, how can you tell if your parents are ready for camp? Because right. it's, it's a bigger issue for the parents. I think it is for the kids because the kid's going to go play. I mean, it's easy. Right. Right. You know, they're just going to react and be a part of the environment, the part of the community, whereas the parents sitting at home saying, gosh, I, I wonder what little Sarah's doing right now. You know, so. Exactly. And it's not intuitive, but I explained to parents that the younger child goes the more easily they transition because mm-hmm. they're not as aware of time or mm-hmm. day. They mm-hmm. can be in the moment. And that's part of the beauty of camp is being in the moment and just enjoying life and your yeah. peers. Yeah. Actually, I, I was reading a book um, just recently. I, I can't think of the name. It was, it was about anxiety in girls. Um, oh, here we go. Raising Worry-Free Girls by Sissy Goff. Um, and she was talking about um, – some research that had been done that if parents intervene and solve problems for kids early on, even if it's just the little stuff around the house, the games, whatever it is, that they're going to increase separation anxiety with the child. Because if the child's always thinking, well, mom or dad is going to solve this for me, then I've always got to stay close to them in order to, for them to solve my problems. Exactly. Thought, oh, that's really like, that makes perfect sense. Right. And to me, that's the beauty of camp is that you physically can't be there. And the kids got to solve it with near peers and with a lot of, you know, great, you know, supervision. But they're going to have to solve a lot of their own stuff there, which will actually make them less anxious about separation down the road. 
Agreed. And that's many years ago. There's a book called The Blessing of a Skin Knee. Yes. Great book. Wendy. I don't remember her last name. I could look that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wendy Cohen, Wendy Kaplan, Wendy something. It's like the seminal camp book. <laughs> right. So if, if your child never trips and skins their knee, then what happens when they do that? As they get older, you have to give right. them the chance to skin their knee and heal and say, look, that boo-boo got better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's part of this is allowing your children to solve their problems and to get uncomfortable so they can learn how to become comfortable. Yeah, and I think that that's the challenge that that we have, bringing all that back home. Because you know, at camp, it's a very defined environment. It's, you're whether it's a day camp or whether it's a residential camp, you're you're away and you're doing that. Once you get them back to the house, so they've learned all these great skills at camp. They've had these great experiences, even though they didn't know maybe they learned it. How do we keep that going uh, back home? You think? I think. Um, it's, I think it's a concerted effort that the parent has to say, um, why don't you come up with your favorite camp meal and yeah. let's make that together? Or, you know, what was one of your least favorite activities? Why? Mm -hmm. Maybe if we worked on that at home, you might enjoy it more at camp. Um, mm -hmm. And I think part of it is just saying, why don't you go up to your room and read a book, write to a friend, do something that you might do during rest hour at camp. And I think it's pulling in, um, whether it's organized activities or those interstitial times mm -hmm. of what a child can experience at camp and continuing that during the year. Yeah. Yeah. Have like a camp hour sometime during the day. That's a great idea. I don't even thought. <laughs> every day or every week, but even if it's monthly. And I think that also keeps the child in touch with their positive feelings about camp and mm -hmm. energized about going back. Because I find that in January, February, a lot of campers get cold feet. Yes. Because summer was a long time away. The scariness is more prevalent than remembering the fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that's a good time to, to shore things up with reminders about camp, what was fun. Sure. Um, well, and they're back in their comfort zone. I mean, they're back at their home. They're back at the you know school routine that they're used to, whatever it is, right. the same food. They're truly in their original comfort zone, uh, you know, assuming that home is a comfortable place for them. Um, and anything outside of that, as we said, it's challenging, even camp, even if it's amazing. Right. Agreed. And it might be, you know, I don't know if people have a fireplace and it's just, you know, let's do a story. Tell me a story that you heard mm -hmm. at camp, that kind of thing. Yeah. The other day, our youngest, who's now 12, he's not that young anymore, um, had a couple of buddies over and we've got you know a little bit of land that we can play with here uh, at home. And he said, mom, what should we do? She said, I don't know, go outside you know, go do stuff. Right. And she came back, she went just to check on 45 minutes later because she could smell a fire. Um, and we have this little, we have a little fire pit and it's, it's safe and whatnot. And because of camp, he knows how to manage fire, but he had built a fire with his buddies and they were making s'mores. That's awesome. Like, okay, perfect. What else do you need? Right. That's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. that was camp. So we've talked about the things that haven't changed, but you and I now, I think, have been talking a lot about the things that have not changed about camp. What, what have you seen over the course of your experience working with camp that, that hasn't changed? I think that it's the joy of the outdoors. And mm -hmm. that is, um, I guess, it, that does something that has something to do with change, which is the nature deficit um, mm -hmm. by love. And, um, but that hasn't changed. Camp is a safe, 
supportive environment that welcomes everyone at where, wherever they are in their growth spectrum yep. and welcomes them in and is a place to forge friendships. And I think that's the beauty of camp. It's perennial and, mm-hmm. um, and I think that hasn't changed. I would say in 17 years of touring camps every summer with my colleagues, the consistent thing is happy, smiling children running around and whatever it might be. And they might be indoors at art that day or participating in the play um, and just that feeling of joy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's so restorative, um, you know, to everybody involved. It's, you know, whatever's going on in the rest of the world during that little microcosm of camp, it is just straight on. If it's the right fit and that's, yes. that's your job. And then it's, it's my job as well, making sure it's the right fit for the family. There's really very little limit to the joy that a kid can, can go through. And part of that also are the activities at camp that are things you can't do at home. Yeah. That, you know, no one um, that I know has built a lake in their backyard <laughs> and suddenly learn to sail or try water skiing or yep. um, have your own climbing wall. And I think that camp can offer children the chance to go outside their regular activities. My boys played ice hockey and it's mm-hmm. a 12 month a year activity. And I, broke them out of that for seven weeks. And I remember my older son insisted we had to choose a camp where ice hockey was an option. Uh-huh. Um, and we did that. And he went to ice hockey the first few times. And then he called home and said, I don't want to miss water skiing. And I don't want to miss <laughs> Do I have to go? And despite the fact that I paid a good amount of money for that extra option, no, you don't have to go. Right. Get away from that. enjoy archery be the best archer you can be um and that was the beauty of camp that's still um present today is the chance to do other things um and also the chance to spread your wings i think that's for the child that they can lay down the mantle of responsibility they have at home the box they're defined in at home so maybe Mm -hmm. you are the class clown maybe you're the comic relief but at camp Mm -hmm. you could be serious or at home you're afraid to be outgoing and at camp you could be in the play and get on stage and it's the chance to spread your wings and do something different which again is going outside their comfort zone but at home when your friends know you as a certain person it's very hard to break out of that, but at camp, it's a clean slate every summer. Yeah. And that's the beauty, I think, of having home friends and having camp friends, because right. you can be, you can choose to do different things in either spot and be a different person if, if you want to. Um, right. And then you have the challenges, all right, when you go off to college, which person am I going to be now? <laughs> Where, right. Or how can you synthesize that and be right. all those things? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, you know, uh, something that hasn't changed about camp, that it's really a safe space to do all those things. That's wonderful. Well, Beth, if people want to learn more about you or or connect with you, what's the best way for them to to reach out to you and and to get some of your experience and your knowledge of of working with camps and and within the industry? Several ways. Our company in general is Mm campexperts.com. And so I'd love to help all the families in Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and Manhattan. But I have colleagues in Chicago or LA or Boca Raton, what have you, um, who are also um, able to access the same huge portfolio of camps and teen programs. They can call me um, and my number's on our website. They can Mm -hmm. email me, beth at campexperts.com. And I'm delighted to um, 
share my love of camp with families. And it's really a win-win. Unlike trial law that I went to graduate school for, <laughs> fabulous parents want to give the gift of camp to their children and I get to help. And, yep. you know, I have the best job. So <laughs> I'm happy to help anyone and everyone. Fantastic. Well, Beth, thank you so much for spending time around the campfire with me. As always, I, I love talking with you. Me too. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a good week. So last summer at camp, we did a little exercise with our CITs in front of the whole camp. We were down at campfire and we had them stand up and holding hands, form a chain around the campfire facing each other. They were so happy to do so. I mean, our, our summer 19 CITs really loved each other. However, while the circle showed the unity of the CITs, it blocked everyone else out. So, staying in their place, we had them turn so that their backs were towards the fire and that join hands again. That way, they were still connected with one another, but could look out and welcome others in. That, to me, is camp. It's about building connections with each other and looking outward to welcome others in. It takes courage to get to that point. Doing the same thing with your same friends is easy. The hard part comes, and sometimes the scary part comes, when you're trying something new, be it an activity, a subject in school, speaking in front of others, or putting yourself out there to make a new friend or to be a new friend. However, until we get out of our comfort zones and welcome in those challenges, we'll never know what we're capable of. It's a very natural thing to be concerned about something new. In fact, it's one of the most natural and oldest of feelings for us humans. Back in the day when we had to steer clear of saber-toothed tigers and other creatures who saw us as lunch, our brains developed a habit of making scary things seem much bigger than they actually were. This helped keep us all alive for, well, here we are today. Well, there aren't any saber-toothed tigers walking around anymore, but our brains still have kept that same habit of blowing up potentially scary things into greater proportions than they actually are in order to protect our survival. So take a bit of advice from Beth and find ways to help the children in your life grow their social and emotional muscles. Help them learn that you can combat these scary feelings with gratitude, with courage, and a budding sense of adventure. Any little bit will help them expand their world and give them the skills that they need to be successful going forward. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you found this conversation useful, I'd ask you to do two things. First, please pass it along to a friend. The lessons of summer camp can be applied to so much in the real world, and our campfire circle is large enough for everyone to join. Secondly, please leave a rating or a review on whichever podcast service you're using to listen. More good reviews help these ideas spread. Until we speak again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at supportscope.